Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the Irish NFL show presented by Pundit Arena. Delighted to be joined today. After Rich Eisen last night, we, we just had to go to the next level up. Mina Kimes from ESPN. <laughs> Mina, welcome to the show. Wow. Uh, I, I think that's probably an inaccurate comparison between me and Rich Eisen, but I'm thrilled to be here. Well, it's it's fantastic on the day that it is, because we're going to get into this whole Seahawks talk and all in a minute. But the day that it is, Mina, fantastic to have you on the show. And we ask everybody that comes on the show, especially our American guests, have you any heritage in regards to Ireland? Any any love for Ireland? Have you been to Ireland before? I have never been to Ireland, but I recently learned that the um, non-Korean side of my of me is British Irish. And my whole life, I thought it was German, but uh, did the... Uh, 23 and me or, or whatever and my brother and I both did it and yeah British Irish so I guess I gotta I gotta come through sometime yeah you'll have to once once travel is possible again you'll have to come <laughs> over and uh, tour around you know check out the the pubs as well Mina um before we we jump into to maybe the Russell Wilson talk the other talk around the the league this offseason look is is Deshaun Watson we've seen the comments today uh from from Dave Cully and um, I suppose just just your take on that whole situation. Yeah. Where do you see Deshaun come September? I don't see him starting for the Houston Texans. That doesn't mean he won't be a Houston Texan, but uh, you know he seems, by all accounts, to have great conviction um, when it comes to not, not playing for the team. And you know, with these quarterbacks and movement, I, I've been asked a lot lately general generally about player power and whether quarterbacks can force their way off of teams or onto other teams and my answer is yes if they're willing to hold out but very few quarterbacks or nfl players uh will actually use the leverage that they have available to them which is a holdout it seems like deshaun watson would go there and i think that's why amongst many reasons um, it, I believe, and I think a lot of other people believe Houston needs to accept the reality of the situation. On top of that, they're not a good football team. Even if Deshaun Watson plays, this team went four and 12 last year. They're pretty capped out. Um, you know, obviously a low salary cap year. Uh, they don't have a lot of talent on their roster. If any team needed to look in the mirror and say, okay, it's time for a rebuild. We have an opportunity to do so, uh, with our quarterback, you know, we can trade and, and begin the process of acquiring draft picks and assets. It would be Houston and the clock is sticking before this year's draft, uh, which is very rich with quarterbacks. So potentially you get a top three pick um, where it's looking like oh, how the quarterbacks will go, or even like a Tua Tungabailoa might be available to them in a trade with Miami. But I, I think Houston needs to accept reality and heed Deshaun's wishes, wishes. I mean, interested to hear your thoughts on the Russell, Russell Wilson situation. You know, I suppose when this all kicked off, it felt like a bit of a power struggle. Him looking for more say and more input to the, the offense. But as, as the weeks have progressed, it seems there's a lot of stories that he wants to, he wants to move on. They're open to the trade. There's rumors about the Bears continuously over the past couple of days. Yeah. What's your thoughts on the situation? So, um you know, being more of an analyst than a reporter, I can't really speak to what Seattle is thinking. I only see the same stuff as you guys. And then, you know, the people I hear say they're open to it or whatever. I can just tell you what I think, which is that would be dumb as hell. Okay, unless uh, they were able to get a Deshaun Watson or get one of those top three picks. Then even though 
you'd be looking at a massive dead money hit. You'd be moving on from a generational quarterback. If there's so much bad blood between both sides, which is all really speculation at this point, that is the only return to me, Watson or a top three pick where the organization wouldn't be setting their entire franchise on fire. I mean, you know, you talk about Chicago and I hear people saying, yeah, they can trade them. They're a bunch of first rounders and Khalil Mack and Jalen Johnson and Roquan Smith, whatever. Then you're just the bears. Seattle would be becoming the bears. Like it doesn't make sense to move on from a quarterback of Russell Wilson's stature, unless you have a path to another elite quarterback or a quarterback with the sort of upside you'd get from a top rookie. So again, I'm not saying that's how Seattle thinks and I, God knows what Russell Wilson wants at this point. I'm just saying that I many times, even if I wasn't a fan of Seattle, I would be looking at that sort of trade and just thinking this is the worst trade in NFL history. 39 million on the cap as well. Dead, dead cap too big. Crazy, crazy. I think next year it might be a little bit more realistic if both sides still have hard feelings um but this year again absolute insanity for seattle yeah and, and russell as you say as well mean i mean he's got dk metcalf and tyler lockett there he has weapons as he proved in the first half of last season so um a, a lose-lose situation maybe uh, ahead there uh, i think so if he went to chicago i mean you, you hear about teams like the saints and it makes a little bit more sense because you know he has said he wants to play behind a better offensive line that's one of the best offensive lines in football Chicago doesn't have a better <laughs> offensive line and certainly there's a dearth of weapons there. So again, I, I, I don't know what Russell Wilson wants, what he cares about, whether it's control, prestige, different kind of organization, culture, whatnot, but just from a football perspective, I think this would be really bad for both sides. And, and Mina, look for you, actually, personally, I'm just going to say we, we slagged rich a little bit about his, uh, his 40 uh, yard dash, but you've actually probably got an even more, telling point in pop culture because other than brian o'leary's one dollar bet on the giants to win the next two super bowls you're the only one on this call who knows what it's like to have an opportunity to win a million dollars if i remember correctly because weren't you the phone a friend for a million dollar question on celebrity who wants to be a millionaire that's true although so i didn't win a million dollars my friend uh, dave chang won it for charity um, and he answered many difficult questions that I didn't know because I wasn't in the studio with the help of my other friend, Alan Yang, actually. Um, and I just happened to help him at the very, very end, just get from, you know, get across the goal line. Well, 500 to a million. It's a, it's a good jump. It's a good jump. So you know, you, we're, in our minds, you won it all for him. That, 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 oh, that thank you. Well, unlike uh, most NFL coaches, Dave is not risk averse at all. I'll just say that because... Um, yeah, yeah. I, I, if it was me, I would have taken the $500,000 and walked, uh, for all of my griping about how teams should go for it and are there too, yeah. uh, conservative, uh, I probably would have been the same if I was in that seat. And, and I, mean, I suppose related to the NFL, you're saying about the risk averse nature, this off season, we're describing pretty savage when it comes to the risk profile in terms of carrying cap hits, carrying expensive veterans. I mean, basically, we made the joke about if you're in the New York, uh, no, sorry, the New Orleans Saints and you get drafted, you're bound to play for them because they have literally no money and they're shedding players at the door. I mean, what do you make with the slightly reduced cap of just what we're seeing from a number of teams, even in reasonably good health, just slicing yeah. and dicing to, to make cap hits? 
I, I we're seeing a lot of players cut who would either not or be retained, I think, in years where the cap went up or traded to other teams that could absorb their hit. I, you know, like today, uh, we're recording on Thursday, both the Chiefs tackles were let go uh, yesterday. So on Wednesday, Buffalo let go of two really good players, John Brown and Quinton Jefferson. These aren't bad players and they're not even bad contracts. They're just teams in desperate situations. And I think it's gonna be really fascinating over the coming weeks once free agency um, opens to see what kind of contracts get handed out, whether they're really short-term in nature so that players who are deserving of more money can hit the market again, you know, when the TV money kicks in and the cap starts going back up, or whether we see more creative accounting like um, Tampa giving that two-year deal to Levante David that was actually a five-year deal with three void years so they could prorate the money, um, which is actually what Dallas did with Dak Prescott too. I think we're going to see a lot of the similar cap games as teams just try to fit it all in this season. I mean, you sort of touched on it there as well uh, in regards to Kansas City with Eric Fisher and Mitchell Schwartz being released this morning. Were you surprised by that? I mean, it, it does provide a little bit of doubt now in Kansas City, and but I'm sure it'll pick somebody up in free agency or, or in the draft as well. Yeah, um, I was actually surprised about this because of their needs and uh, obviously they're thin at offensive line. We saw that in the Super Bowl. Um, and I think I'll have to take a closer look at their, the nature of those contracts and sort of some of the other contracts. Cause I imagine we, they could also be doing some restructuring of some other deals uh, to clear space, but I'll, I'll be interested to see whether or not Kansas city looks to draft there. This is a very good tackle draft um, or whether there's other, whether enough free agent tackles hit the market to where they can grab like a mid-level type player in their eyes uh, or, or, or a good player on a mid-level deal. That's a position where actually I thought there was some scarcity, which is kind of what makes this surprising. Like wide receiver, pass rusher, tons of options in free agency tackle a little bit less so and i think that's what made this more surprising than not and you're the self-described president of the john brown fan club um where where would you like to to see him end up where do you think he might be a good fit i think uh indianapolis makes uh <coughs> pardon me a ton of sense um given that they first of all they have a ton of cap space and and there's like a few teams that are this year just so much richer than everyone else and indianapolis is one of them um even taking on wentz you know whose contract is relatively affordable now for them but they uh i think with wentz what we saw in philadelphia was some of his best years came when he had that sort of field stretching threat. We saw the impact when they would lose Deshaun, Watt, uh, Deshaun Jackson, said Deshaun Watson so many times now. <laughs> um, and they're hoping to get that out of Rager. So I think he would be a very, like a bargain to them at that position. He's reliable. He's still got speed. Um, he was a bit redundant in Buffalo where they're very, they had a lot of depth at wide receiver. So that'd be a nice spot for him. I could also see, Miami, the Jets, I'm just naming the teams with a lot of money, but those are also teams that could use a veteran presence at wide receiver and also target the position in the draft. Just uh, looking ahead to free agency next week, it feels like it's going to be a very different one in the sense that the teams who normally have so much cap space are very proactive very early on. But you would imagine most teams now will kind of wait for two or three days to see 
the second level players who are who are still well established in the league who won't be as expensive as previous years. Yeah, and then there are teams that do that always, right? And they tend to be um Patriots. You know, the teams that are more yeah, 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 yeah. Seattle, your New England's, um they're just teams that typically even in richer years will wait to uh, sign free agents. I mean, fact of the matter is big free agent contracts don't usually work out. Some of them do. Um, I thought the Colts trade for DeForest Buckner worked out, for example, who's a fantastic player. And that's a team that's been very conservative, Chris Ballard, the GM, in how he allocates um, the cap. But I think this year more than any other year there's going to be a lot of kind of looking around waiting seeing it and for the players as well um i think they're going to be there's gonna be a lot of curious about curiosity about not just who gets contracts but what the contracts look like the length of them how they're structured because it's such an unusual year for the nfl I mean, it just just finally on that, actually, because you are very you know detailed in your analysis, really, about the the business of football as well and the contract structures and things. And you, you kind of touched on one, which is the proliferation of great avoidable years, kind of following on from Breeze, Roethlisberger's contract, Prescott, etc. And the other one, or the other trend we're noticing, obviously, is a Bill Belichick special. You know, don't cut him. I'll give you a low round pick, like he's just done with Trent Brown uh, again, effectively, yeah. and just bring him over, and we'll do a bit of a restructure. Um, and he strikes again and for basically a net sixth rounder. Is there any other, I would say, trend, especially in this depressed cap year? Um, not trying to put you on the spot, but I know you mentioned that short-term contract stuff, but any special capology or methodology you think the teams are looking at to try to navigate this, this unreal scenario for them? I think nothing that I'm, I would say, like applies to the entire NFL, but one of this this year more than any year you're going to have teams that are going to have to be very realistic about their timelines i mean notably the teams that we're talking about who are uh doing this sort of stuff with the void years or whatever are teams that want to win now believe they can win now Uh, tampa is a really interesting example because they don't usually do this with their contracts um, or Dallas actually as well. Dallas loves doing those long-term deals, like the six-year contracts, Tyron Smith, uh, is, you know, uh, Amari Cooper, whatever. Zeke Elliott had that supersized contract that looks really bad now. And I think it's really notable that we're seeing teams that have typically done contracts one kind of way, changing their stripes this season and their teams that that do want to win now. Dallas, I mean, Tampa, obviously, they've got Brady, want to maximize the window. Dallas, based on some of the moves they've made in terms of restructuring and pushing, kicking the cap down the road, they really um, believe that they can win now. And you can really learn, I think, how teams see themselves by how they approach, not just who they're signing and like, you know, are they going all in, but how, what kind of contracts they're signing. And, um, those two teams really have jumped out to me so far this year as teams that uh, view themselves as contenders, the Rams being also perpetually uh, in that scenario. And, and But they've got to pay the piper at some stage, don't they? It comes, yes, they up, do. comes back to bite them. The cap is real, guys. It just sometimes takes a while to kick in. 
And I tell you what, it's starting to kick in now. It is 8.17 in Ireland. This is going out at 10.30 tonight in Ireland. I mean, and we pray to God that nothing happens over the next two hours. But it's been a pleasure to have you on. Everybody check out the Mina Kimes podcast with your dog Lenny, of course, as well. It's a great listen. And seriously, Mina, we'll do this again sometime. Massively appreciate it. And, and thank you for your time. Thanks for having me, guys.